Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. President Biden was in Tokyo. I think he's probably flying home right now, but he was in Tokyo earlier this morning for a meeting of the Quad, you know, the Australia, India, Japan, and the United States. The Russian and Chinese militaries conducted a joint exercise in which they flew nuclear bombers over our president's head. This is obviously their way of saying, A, it's the autocracies against the democracies, B, we're ready to fight a war over it. Why is it that we are continuing this process, this program that Reagan and Bush and and Clinton all put together of shipping all of our manufacturing to China because it's more profitable for American big business when China is flying nuclear bombers over the top of our president's head? You know, I, I, I don't fathom this. I think we've got a serious problem here. And as something that we need to be addressing quickly. But I want to start out with my daily take today from HartmanReport.com. Is Trumpism this generation's version of the new Confederacy? And I'll just tell you right up front, I think yes. I've been trying to figure out, you know, Trumpism, is this Orbanism? Is this Putinism? Is this, you know, is this the reinvention of something old or is this something entirely new? Yesterday, Donald Trump retweeted over on his, or whatever the word is, on his Truth social media site. He promoted or liked or copied or whatever a message calling for a new civil war, a second civil war in the United States. And meanwhile, we've got now, like, Kathy Barnett running in Pennsylvania saying, saying, I'm running without his endorsement, but I am running on Trumpism. And our media is going, what? Trumpism? And I'm telling you, it is the same thing as the old Confederacy. Trumpism asserts white supremacy. The old Confederacy was based on white supremacy. Trumpism fetishizes rule by a wealthy elite. The old Confederacy was based on a wealthy elite. This was the result of the invention of the cotton gin. And in 1794, by 1810, 1820, cotton gins were the largest plantations across the South, all had cotton gins. One machine could do the work of 50 enslaved people. 
And what this did is it basically wiped out small businesses. It was the Walmartization of the South. All of the small cotton farms got wiped out by these large plantations, and the entire South got taken over by literally a couple thousand families who seized not only the economic power of the South, but also the political power of the South, and then converted the South into a police state, which I'll get to in just a second. But, you know, it was this rule by a wealthy elite. The South, you know, by 1840, the South was no longer even resembling anything like a democracy. Another, uh, you know, they, 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 uh, the Trump movement brands its movement with its own flag and its own slogans that are separate from America's. This is not something the Republican Party used to do. It's not something the Democratic Party used to do. But it is something the old Confederacy did. They had their own separate flags and songs and everything else. The Trumpism puts the rights of workers, or the business rather, above those of workers. The Confederacy, of course, was based on slave labor. Trumpism marginalizes and destroys trust in media. The Confederacy actually shut down opposition newspapers. They lynched editors. They imprisoned some. Trumpism arms the movement's foot soldiers, the, the so-called militias. The Confederacy armed and then started a war. Trumpism wants to regulate school curriculum to promote a racist worldview. The old Confederacy 150 years ago, or actually it was longer than that, 170 years ago, the old Confederacy also preached white supremacy in schools. Trumpism embraces authoritarian preachers so that they can claim that they're based on Christianity. The old Confederacy claimed it was a Christian movement. Trumpism makes alliances with foreign dictators, you know, like the you know, Mohammed bin Salman, the head guy at, in Saudi Arabia, who just gave you know two trillion dollars to Jared Kushner or billion dollars and and a billion dollars to Steve Mnuchin. Well, the the South tried to cut a deal with Napoleon when he was the Emperor of France. The Trumpism is rigging elections and trying to prevent minorities from voting. The Confederacy did the same thing. Trumpism is embracing a police state, but will never prosecute very wealthy people. The same thing in the Confederacy. It turned into a police state for everybody except the plantation owners. Trumpism accuses its political opponents of demonic and perverse behavior, you know, drinking the blood of Christian children and stuff like that. The Confederacy had very, very similar weird stories that mostly had to do with interracial sex, but still it was they, you know, they were accusing their white opponents of uh, bizarre behavior, perverse behavior in, in, in their worldview, in their, in their language. Trumpism wants to criminalize abortion. The Confederacy vigorously enforced anti-abortion laws when white women got pregnant. Trumpism wants to heavily criminalize minor behaviors like drug, drug, drug use and abuse. The old Confederacy heavily criminalized, for example, loitering. Loitering became like a major crime across the South. So, you know, they had all these crimes that if anybody just was speaking up against the Confederacy, boom, they had a way to throw you in jail. Trumpism in, has normalized violence as a tool of politics. So did the old Confederacy. Trumpism opposes worker organizing efforts. The old Confederacy would not tolerate unions. Trumpism claims the mantle of the average man fighting against the tyranny of the state. The Confederacy had this whole mythology about we're the average guy trying to fight, you know, 
Well, actually, it wasn't. It was the it was the oligarchs who ran the plantations. Trumpism wants to make it all hard for everybody except wealthy people to get a decent education, whether it's you know private elementary schools, charter schools, or whether it's college and debt. The old Confederacy wouldn't even you know basically you know shut down public schools. Trumpism wants to wants to minimize government regulation of working conditions and products. The old Confederacy, <laughs> slavery was not exactly a regulated you know labor thing. And Trumpism is trying to establish a mythology of victimhood and a fear of replacement. And the old Confederacy had, you know, this, this whole lost cause thing. I mean, it's, it, I don't see how they're not identical. Am I missing something here? Why is nobody calling this out and pointing out that Trumpism, that this, which has now seized the Republican Party, that the entire Republican Party I, you know, there's still a few outliers, the Mitt Romneys and Liz Cheney's out there who, who actually you know, want to use like the American flag instead of the Trump flag. Um, but by and large, the Republican Party has become the Confederacy. And frankly, I think our media needs to wake the hell up. The, the American people and the Democratic Party need to see this Trumpist Republican Party for the threat it is. The FBI and our intelligence agencies need to, to be bringing these seditionists to the ground. Democrats have to loudly call out the racism and fascism and point out where this will lead if it's unchecked. After all, where did the Confederacy lead? To a civil war, as Trump just suggested yesterday. Every day that goes by without action brings us closer to this new Republican Party's goal, which is tearing apart democracy in America and transforming this country into this generation's version of the Confederacy, complete with its own lost cause mythology. Oh, in this case, it's the lost election mythology. Tell me I'm missing something here. Or is this simply the old Confederacy rising again? And if so, why won't the media say that? So uh, President Biden is on his way home from uh, Asia, and uh, there was this whole trade deal, the, the Biden-Tokyo-Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. What the heck is that? Let's check in with Lori Wallach, our friend who kind of knows all things trade. Lori is the director of Re the Rethink Trade Program at, the, uh, at American Economic Liberties. RethinkTrade.org is the website. Wallach, Lori, or Econ Liberties are her Twitter handles. Lori, welcome back. Tell us about what, you know, what was this, what was this meeting that Biden went to and what happened there that we need to know about? So I would say the biggest thing is that we actually don't exactly know what this Indo-Pacific economic framework is going to be. They announced the launch of a negotiation and they announced some countries, some of which are not necessarily the most auspicious partners for a worker-centered trade agreement. On the other hand, the trade rep representative was there in Japan and gave a speech that was about a new vision of a trade agreement. That would be something you know, we'd probably like. The question is, with those countries and with some of the other folks in the administration, is this thing going to turn into a specific partnership, the TPP, take two, 
or is it really going to be something quite different and maybe even good? So the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, you know, Trump pulled us out of that, but uh, and, and, and Obama had been, you know, gung-ho for it. But all those countries, that was like 30-some-odd countries, wasn't it? Didn't they go ahead and do that? And so that's a thing now? So it was, it was 11 countries, 11. and okay, um, they did go forward with it, but a bunch of those countries actually never ratified it. Mainly, you know, Trump kind of boxed and buried the molder and corpse, the TPP. The big deal was, thanks to activism across the country, there wasn't a majority in Congress for it. Right. So it sat out there for a year and couldn't get passed. Trump came in and sort of announced he killed it, but it was, you know, it was already dead. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, so this this would so, be this would be a, just a, a brand new attempt to create a trade framework among these various countries, um, not including China, right? So it's a bunch of the same countries, plus they added Korea and the Philippines and Thailand and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, the, the hitch is, Tom, that I believe the U.S. trade representative who said she wants to create a new model that's worker-centered. Right. That is what the Biden administration trade agenda is supposed to be. But when you have a bunch of countries that are not democracies, that have horrific labor rights records written up by the State Department as some of the worst of the worst as the potential partners, I think it's going to be, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a tough neighborhood to have a good trade agreement. Yeah. And there's competing pressures. The State Department wants a deal that has a bunch of Asian countries who are not China all officially hanging out with the U.S. Mm -hmm. So they're willing to invite some countries who are not going to be the partners for this different kind of trade agreement. It's just not their gift. Alternatively, the trade representative is trying to get a different kind of trade agreement. And that's why I'm saying they announced a launch. They announced 12 countries. But what it's going to actually be is going to be kind of dependent on what they hear from people across the country and what they hear from Congress. Yeah, I get it. So, so this is one of those... Okay, it was a nice performance. It looks like a good step in the right direction, but you know the devil's in the details. We don't have the details yet, so let's let's just keep an eye on this. Is that is that a good summary? That's a good summary, but I think it's slightly more cautionary. That that's how I felt before they announced which twelve countries. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of these countries are not countries you're ever going to get a trade agreement with high labor and environmental and human rights standards. You right. have in their Vietnam, one party state, no independent labor unions, no, you know, no right. political freedom. You've got Brunei, the Sultan stones gay people to death as a punishment. You've got the Philippines and Malaysia, really serious, horrific labor rights violations. You've, you know, got Thailand. It's a military dictatorship. And ostensibly, this is supposed to be the U.S. alternative, the right. democracy alternative right. to the authoritarian Chinese model. And so, like, I understand the geography of trying to show we have friends in that neighborhood right. as a, you know, as a counter to China. But also, that is not necessarily the crew of countries you're going to be creating a high standard good for workers trade agreement with. Yeah. Great, great stuff, Lori. So uh, will you keep us up to date on this, please? I absolutely will. And if folks want to follow this stuff blow by blow, and also right now there's like the biggest trade bill you've never heard about, a big 
China trade bills in Congress, if you go to my Medium post, go to if you go to rethinktrade.org and look at the Medium post, I've got posts all the time on the details of this stuff. You can skim the top lines or you can dig way in. I connect a lot of the original materials. Very cool. Rethinktrade.org. Okay, Lori, thank you so much. Thanks for dropping by today. Thank you for having me on. Sure enough. Great talking with you. Lori, always on top of all this stuff. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? You know I'm preoccupied with this topic of World War III. So when somebody mentions something that I didn't even think of, it, it, it really catches my attention. And I would like to get your take on this. There was a neocon, and he was smart because he was saying that, um, you know, we should not judge Russia's performance with China's. We should not conflate them, okay, their, their military performance right. ability. But he said that China is probably more encouraged to, in, to invade Taiwan now because – he said, we, um, we, didn't have a bi- we didn't have a bilateral uh, defense relationship with, with Ukraine, but we recognized Ukraine as independent and sovereign. And then we Same have as not Taiwan. gone. Well, he's saying that we have no, we do not recognize Taiwan, so that is going to actually encourage. Yeah. Is that I think there's, encourage? There's, there's some truth to that, Dave. I think the Chinese are, are very seriously thinking about how to take Taiwan. I, I do think, however, that they're going to first try to do to Taiwan what Russia tried to do to us and to Ukraine, which was using social media and uh, you know manipulation of, of the news, but particularly social media, to disrupt their internal politics. And the, the Taiwanese have been ahead of them in, in many regards on, on many of these efforts. but. Um, my guess is, you know, the, the, the war, as it were, is going to play out first in their, in their politics. Corrupting democracies is one of the things that these autocrats, you know, have gotten really, really good at using social media. And, and they succeeded here. They got Donald Trump in the White House. Russia did. I mean, you know, and so, so China's got to be looking at, okay, if we're going to do this and we're going to do it carefully and strategically, we need to first weaken Taiwan. And that first weakening would be to do, you know, to Taiwan what Russia did to us. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I might be wrong, but it's my guess. Ross in Carlsbad, California. Hey, Ross, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, you've been asking a question for many weeks now about why the corporate media won't really cover the issues of the day in an even-handed fashion. And my, my thought is that we are actually seeing uh, the end game of this fascist media takeover that started in 1996 with the Telecommunications Act, that, uh, you know, we've got companies like Viacom, Disney, Comcast, and quote-unquote News Corp that control the media narrative of the day owned by fascist-leading billionaires, and they won't, you know, allow their people to tell us the truth. It's like self-censorship. Yeah. Um, even, it's even bleeding into our print media, like the Times and the Washington Post. I mean, it, their editors are controlling what, what, uh, what people are really allowed to know about what's going on. And I, I want to relate that back to what you've been talking about with Orban in Hungary about taking over the media. And my, my thought is they've already got it here. To a large extent. Putting the. To a large extent, particularly in the red states. I mean, in the red states, you've got television uh, stations that are owned by Sinclair, you know, a right-wing network. You've got uh, every single talk radio station in the entire state in, in all of your red states is all conservative all the time. Uh, you've got newspapers that, are, that have conservative editorial boards. 
and and you know a conservative perspective on the news. You don't even have to look at the big national news. I don't think they make much of a dent in those in those red states. Um, it's the it's the swing states and the blue states where where you know a lot of this battle is playing out in the media, and it's it's a fascinating time, Ross. Um, and but I think your analysis is is in all probability spot on. Um, I, you know, I really I told enjoyed the, your rant about the neo neo Confederacy too, Tom. Oh, You're thank spot you. On. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ross. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Randy in Ottawa, Iowa. Hey, Randy, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching us on hey, Free Speech. Tom. I think it's all, uh, it's all about cheap labor and it's all about corporatism. Which was so the old racist, South, Randy. True. The racist element is just part of it. They yeah. don't care if it's a white slave or if it's a black slave, as long as it's a cheap labor. Slave. Right. They so want to create a so, permanent underclass that they can exploit. Do you remember the deal about Biden in Taiwan and, and his observation that all the people that were displaced and everything that's going on. I called you a couple of weeks ago and talked to you about the externalities of the war, the, of uh, Russia's aggression toward mm-hmm. um, Ukraine, and what it's cost the European Union, what it's cost NATO, what it's costing the United States today. And Russia is looting the grain stores in the ports now in, in Ukraine. Yeah. So the thing of it is, is that we have to look at it in a corporate eye, through a corporate lens, that that these when when Biden said that about Taiwan, when he's looking at the externalities, all of the things that it's costing the marketplace, all the things it's costing the United States in treasure and, and investment and all the things that displace people that is that are being absorbed into European society and all the other things, the externalities of what's going on, that Biden would have been uh, completely ignorant had he not looked it right in the eye and said, no, this would be unacceptable. 
that to for China to take and invade Taiwan uh, would be is unacceptable behavior. And and I think if you look at it uh, in a cost wise as to what's right in front of us, our eyes right now in the news, um, I don't think uh, I think that the people that called you yesterday up in arms about it, um, I don't think they've looked at it completely. You don't think people are looking at the war in Ukraine or as the possibility of a war with Taiwan? I think the people that objected to uh, Biden's comments on Taiwan, supporting them yeah. and standing behind them, and objecting to China coming in and taking Taiwan, I think I think his objections were well-founded in, yeah, in what's going on right now. You know, the one call I got yeah. against that, Randy, yesterday was a rip from a Republican, you know, and he was saying, well, you know, Biden, he's trying to start a war. I don't want any more wars. I mean, you know, it was just a Republican looking for a, something to attack Biden about. Well, I'm so disappointed in the Republican Party myself, Tom. <laughs> yeah. I, I to just wanted to, I wanted to kick that out there. It's about, it's about economic costs that are forthcoming if China goes into Taiwan and loots it and, and displaces millions of people and all this other stuff that it's going to cost America yeah. in trade and everything else. So it, Mr. Biden was right to uh, stand up and uh and and uh act like he had a backbone i agree instead i completely of, agree instead of rolling over and and, hey, and love you and yeah thanks a lot randy uh, i appreciate it and, yeah. and it's great talking with you i i i appreciate yeah. your, your comments um and and spot on and which again raises the question something like i don't know the percentage maybe laurie wallach will in the third hour but you know it seems to me like 70 80 percent of all the stuff we buy in america is made in china how can we sustain that if China is going to become a geopolitical enemy. Jennifer in Detroit, Michigan. Hey, Jennifer, what's on your mind today? In 2020, you know, when things shut down, um, my family we decided just to go up north because I'm Michigan. Instead of leaving the state, right, travel and just spend a few days on the beach. You saw most of the houses in northern Michigan. Outside, they had a American flag. And often right next to it, Trump flag. Wow. Or just the Trump flag kind of raised up high. And I'm not, to be honest with you, we were incredibly nervous. It is a Confederate symbol. It is a, a hate symbol. The um, single organizing principle or the primary organizing principle for both the Confederacy and Trumpism is white supremacy. Yeah. Trump alone would have, you know, his, you know, they're all good people comment. Yeah, right. So, so just imagine, and and it wasn't just the homes. Like we went, we decided to you know go along one of the state roads to Mackinac Island, and shop after shop had the Trump flag. And I mean, these are just retail businesses, two little ones, and you know it's, it's not you know not not a lot of diversity the further north you get. Those that don't say that that don't feel like the the terror when when and it's not you know maybe you that are the ones that are being hated, you know, have a hate against, you have to understand how nerve-wracking, you know, that can be. I, I've never, you know, driven road, you know, all over, you know, first time that I actually kind of felt externally uncomfortable, more than normal, just being, you know, one of the few minorities, just in that environment and seeing, you know, just, just the plethora of those flags. Yeah. You and know, to me, it is a, I mean, it is a hate symbol. For quite some time, I mean, for the last couple of years, there has been a lot of pushback in the media and a political pushback against Trump people using the Confederate uh, flag, the Confederate battle flag as their logo. 
uh, you know, carrying them into the Capitol. And I mean, you know, there's been kind of a general, oh, my God, how can you do that? That's a symbol of racism. And so, you know, they've gone back to just flags that say Trump, you know, and, and, and uh, or the old Gadsden flag and stuff like that. Um, but I think what people are missing is that it's they're equally racist. It's, you know, Trumpism is Confederacyism. And, um, and, you know, we should probably get an expert on the old Confederacy on to talk about this. I mean, it's just it is so, so clear. And, and I, I get it, Jennifer. Thank you for sharing your story with us, you know, about. That, if, you, if you notice, a lot of you, you go places where people carry or fly the Confederate flag. They carry, they fly the American flag too. So yeah. it's 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 that, but also the the you know that need to just wave both. Like they own America and the freedom and the you know the, the yeah. symbolism. Yeah, they're trying to conflate it all. I get it, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Great to hear from you, Greg in Chicago. Hey, Greg, what's up? Hi, Tom. I was commenting about Stacey Abrams and why I think her comments weren't in the mainstream media. And I believe that because it makes her look bad. She's calling out Georgia, not a great place. Everything's bad there. She didn't say everything's bad there. She was pointing out a few things, but she, but, but her, the, her message was one of hope. She said, we can change this, Gwinnett. She was giving a speech in Gwinnett County. She said, we can change this. I mean, it's, it's, we don't have to be number one in the nation in terms of maternal mortality. I think the problem was, instead of saying women dying when they're giving birth, she used, you know, $5 words, you know, it's, it's uh, and, and, you know, Republicans don't understand those words. Got it. I, mean, I just thought anytime you, you serve so long in a particular state, which I think she has, well, it should be great. Yeah, she says, she says, you know, uh, we're number one for maternal mortality when you have an incarceration rate. Again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing some of these people don't even know what she's talking about. So anyhow, uh, Greg, thank you for the call. Peter in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Peter, we've got a little less than a minute. I hope you've got a quick comment or I can put you on hold until the next hour if you want. I don't know. Maybe put me on hold, please. OK, I'll do that. I, I, I just and, and I'll use this, uh, you know, 40 or 50 seconds I got here to just rant about this. I, I am of the opinion that this is that what we are seeing with uh, the in the Brian Kemp, David Perdue race with David Perdue going out and, and trashing Stacey Abrams like this and saying that she should go back to where she came from is just another. It, this is just the most recent attempt by a Republican to play the race card, to play the racism card, to invoke white racism, particularly in the South. And, and I'm telling you, this is more proof that what we're looking at is not a movement around one particular New York billionaire. It's the Confederacy reorganizing itself, using Trump as a as kind of the pole that everything goes around, you know, like a merry-go-round around it. But, you know, he's disposable. In, in their minds. He, he brought this into being and, and proof of it. Look at Kathy Barnett, you know, running as an uber Trumpist. I mean, I, I just see, I'm seeing the Confederacy rising again here and it unnerves me. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Will in Santa Barbara. Hey, Will, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. What's up? On this topic of the day about the rise of the Old South, I think there's a great uh, book that nails it very well. It's called Robert E. Lee and Me, and it's by a brigadier general that taught at West Point. But the most important thing is it's a confession of a guy that was raised in the South, lived on Robert E. Lee Avenue, believed in the myth of Robert E. Lee. And that's, that's really the, he is treated like a deity, like mm -hmm. Jesus Christ in, uh, in the South. And yeah. so much so, and I think you know that there's a part of the Confederacy uh, that is buried in our Arlington Cemetery. Mm -hmm. in Washington. Well, and the Arlington and Cemetery he, used to be Robert E. Lee's plantation. That's right. That's right. And he talks about that, but he talks about further that later on in history, more contemporary time, the Daughters of the Confederacy raised money to put an oblique kind of uh, statuary in the middle of that mm -hmm. uh, cere uh, cemetery. And in Latin, which he had to consult with some people that knew Latin a little better than him, it said on the back of one of the parts of the monument, it says, basically, F.U., we won the war. Wow. And that's in our national cemetery. So you want to start something to reveal this more to people there ought to be a protest in front of our national cemetery saying, get those traitors out of our cemetery. And it'll bring all the southern bigots and crazy people out. But maybe that's what we want to do to expose it all to all of society so uh, people will appreciate what's going on with Trump. Here's the here's the problem, though, Will. And I, I you know, I haven't looked at a history textbook, an American history textbook in, in uh, probably a decade. Um, but I can I can certainly tell you that when I was in school, and I realized that was a long time ago. But when I was in school, the the the, the history of the South that we learned was that that you know lost cause history that that the the South simply was trying to fend off predation from the North. Bankers in New York were stealing the cotton and not giving the Southern mm -hmm. planters a decent price and making a fortune selling it overseas in Europe. And uh, therefore, the South wanted to take that back. I mean, when I was in school, it was, and this was in Michigan, it was characterized as principally an economic war. When my mm -hmm. son, I, you know, I, I remember him coming home from school one day when we lived in Atlanta, and he was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And I said, you know, what'd you learn in school today? And he said, we learned about the war of Northern aggression. Um, you know, in the South, they were, and this was in the 80s, they were teaching 
that, uh, you know, it was the, the North forced the South into it, basically, you know, put them in a corner. But nobody talks about the fact that, that it was a traitorous, treasonous attempt to overthrow the United States of America and install an oligarchy. And I don't think that's being taught to this day. I mean, maybe it is, but, uh, and, and I'm just not uh, aware of it. But I think this is the biggest problem. And, and it's, you know, it's what that uh, a caller a few callers ago said. You know, if you try to use this as a brand to, to hurt the Republican Party, that they're the new Confederacy, they'll simply embrace it. <laughs> because, you know, they're, they're already flying Confederate battle flags. So, you know, we, we really need to use words like fascism. But I, but I just wanted to put that comparison on the record. Will, thank you for the call. Lewis in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Lewis, what's on your mind today? I think this is the message that will get us to win. First of all, Democrats, people on the left are not crazy about voting because they don't realize what's at stake. Now, if we describe in detail what a dystopian nightmare uh, right-wing dictatorship would be, one in which, for example, sweatshops will become legal, marital rape will become legal, gay marriage will become illegal again, they're going to get rid of public education altogether, they're going to lower the age of consent, police will become completely untouchable, they're going to go after journalists and lock them up, and hundreds of other dystopian things. And by the way, everything you just named, Lewis, is something that was real during the Confederacy. Back to you. And I'm convinced that if we if we get this message out and just hammer it into the public and just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and yell it from the rooftops, I guarantee you a lot of Democrats are going to be motivated to go out and vote. They just are not voting because they're, they don't realize what's at stake because it's not being explained in detail. Yeah. And, and the media is doing their, you know, 10 second soundbite thing on pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I get it. I, I completely agree. Hopefully we'll get there. Lewis, thank you. Excellent points. Scott in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Scott, what's on your mind today? I'm sure you've been following the articles in the New York Times about Haiti. Um, yes, I read that. Haiti. It was a, an yeah. astonishing read. I, I spent is, 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 a good I mean, chunk am, of Sunday reading it. I can't think of another word. I am so outraged by what I've been learning from these three articles in three days in a row. Yeah. Um, things like one of our biggest corporations, Citigroup, founded upon money looted from the already impoverished Haitian treasury. Yep. Founds Citigroup on how Wall Street was involved. And the United States government in France, the government itself, the CIC, you know, Banque Commerciale Economique in France, in Paris, that enriched... I mean, I'm so outraged. I want to add this one thing. Kenyatta called earlier, and it's hard to add to anything he has to say because he's very uh, good and fine at what he says. If I were black, and I realize that's a stretch, but if I were, and if somebody had the audacity to tell me to go back where I came from, I would say this. Once you pay me, my descendants, my parents, my grandparents, my great-great and great-great-grandparents, every penny of just reparations that we are due for the familial wealth you have stolen from us, I'm not going anywhere. But if you do pay me, I might consider going back to where I came from and buy a small country with those dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's an, because it's they a, would be that huge, as they would be that huge to Haiti. I, you've been reading the article. You say, I, yeah. I can't think of anything that has more outraged me than this article that the Times spent more than a year researching with a, a big team of investigative reporters. 
it's just horrifying beyond belief. Yeah, it, it really, it really and truly is. And in fact, Sean, we should yeah. probably get that author author on. I, I you know, it's it's. And, a, and and this this very quickly. Did you catch the quote of Thomas Piketty, no less, who wrote Capital in the Twenty First yeah, Century? Yeah, the French economist. He calls the whole program neo-colonialism by debt. Right. Yeah, which is exactly oh. what it was. Uh, I mean, oh. you know, Haiti, Haiti is, to the best of my knowledge, the only country where when the enslaved people freed themselves, yes. they were forced then to pay reparations to the slave masters for the loss of their free labor. Um, and, 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 and those reparations went happened. on for, for a French, century. The French came back 20, 21 years after their revolution and their independence with 500 cannons aimed at Port-au-Prince, threatening them with a second war if they did not agree to those reparations. So it was under threat of war yeah. that France got them to agree to those reparations because they had to or be obliterated. Yeah, it's abs you're absolutely right, Nicholas. And I, I've it's been so to Haiti ugly. several times, and it's... it's uh, Me too, it is, I do. When I so lived sad. in Key West, I, yeah. yeah. It I is, used to go off, and I love Haiti. Yeah, it's, it's and the a, people, and the, people. and the people are wonderful. But but the country is so oh. poor, and it's it's poor because it was basically raped by France for for a century. I mean, it's just it's, intentionally impoverished. Yeah, intentionally so that it impoverished. would not encourage other black people anywhere in the world to rise up. Yep, absolutely. Well, you Nicholas, know what I say? Rise up. There you go. Amen. Thank you, Nicholas. Clark in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, Clark, what's on your mind today? Hey, I'm still excited from last night. I was down in uh, Georgia, and I went to the, the Kemp, Governor Kemp rally with Mr. Pence. It was so exciting to see all those black and white and brown people together who are not believing a lie. You know, they're not fooled, and they're there, and they're going to overthrow a lot of things come November. I, I like what? Predict. Like what? What, oh, well, what do you I see Kemp doing? Like that. The House of Representatives and the Senate, little things. They were excited there. I mean, right. even the blacks, when Abrams' name was called out, they was booed. Yeah. I mean, boo. No. Yeah. Well, you know, this is Republicans versus Democrats, you know, as well as anything else. So, Clark, you're 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 a Republican, and you're you're looking forward to all the. Is that all you wanted to say that? You know, so happy. We're talking a supermajority in December, I mean, November of the House, a supermajority, and I'll say three, two to three in the Senate, and then throw in uh, Manchin and a couple others. Well, you know? we'll see. If you're right, I think it's going to be the end of the Republic. But, you know, time will tell. Thanks for the call. Pat in uh, Gillespie, New Mexico. Hey, Pat, what's up? Hey, thanks for all your work. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking since Trump was first elected that it's very much like the know-nothing period as well as mm -hmm. the Confederacy, yeah. right, in the United States, right? And that they, while people, progressives are busy pushing much further forward on big agendas, they're getting the nativist people and um, making it about anti-everything that's not um, them. Yeah. Yeah. The know nothings for people who for people who don't know what you're talking about. This was a movement. It was called the, the Order of the Star Spangled Banner. And uh, it came out right. of Massachusetts and it was basically an anti-Catholic, anti-Irish Catholic uh, movement, uh, you know, a pro uh, wasp movement, essentially. 
uh, trying to push back against right. the Catholics. And, and uh, you're right, nativism uh, is a perfect description and a very uh, racist, if you want to call being anti-Irish racist. I mean, <laughs> well, they were the yeah, they, that was yeah, that was. It really they weren't was. white, was, according, and they were always depicted as apes. Yeah, and you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Monkeys, yeah, right? you're absolutely right. Yeah. And Pat, thank you. And they, there was a, it was, a, it started out as a secret society, and their, and their secret password was I know nothing. Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, uh, you mentioned the fact that, you know, the Confederacy could be returning. And since I live in Florida, that really scares me since, you know, it'd be the second time they would join a Confederacy. So obviously we'd like to prevent that. <laughs> well, I'm saying that it already is, that the Republican Party has been taken over by a movement that Donald Trump, you know, led, which is quite literally the old Confederacy. No, and, and that's just disturbing because, you know, to me, I think that the... The, you know, those Trumpers live, I guess, um, in a concert. They have a cognitive dissonance with regards to being in favor of the Confederacy and supposed U.S. patriots because you cannot beat both. And that's the problem that I think we allow them to do because they want to wave their Trump flag and their Confederate flag along with the American flag. And it's just, it's just to me, it's just the same as if you're wearing, waving the American flag next to a Nazi flag. They're yeah. both, they're enemies of each other. They should not be seen in the same light. So we should try to demonize. You know, anyone who supports the Confederacy is supporting the U.S., a U.S. enemy, just as they were supporting Nazi Germany. The same comparison. There are our arch nemesis, our enemy, and they should be treated as such and not be, you know, endeared for some reason. And it seems, yes, that Trump has encouraged pro-Confederacy positions with white supremacy. Remember, he fought over the the Confederate general, like the, the military base of the Confederate general's name, and instead right. of trying to remove some Confederate statues, all yep. that nonsense. Yep. And then, of course, we have Ron DeSantis in Florida trying to have, a, you know, resurrect the fascist state where he's trying to punish corporations like Disney for speaking out, of course, at the last minute after the bill passed of the Don't Say Gay bill, trying to punish them by getting rid of the special district, which, you know, I think obviously is not, is not going anywhere because it's legally dubious. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that I'm glad that we have federal courts to stop DeSantis because every time he tries to undermine one of our rights, he's tried to undermine our First Amendment rights, not just of the corporations of individuals. Remember last year he tried to pass or um, the anti-riot bill. That, fortunately for us, this year, it got overturned by a federal court. Right. And I heard recently that the federal government, that, you know, obviously passed a law, the Florida legislature passed a law to to impose limitations of speech on Twitter and Facebook. What a surprise of a federal court, again, stepped down and said, no, that's illegal. And then, fortunately, another federal court recently declared Ron DeSantis's maps unconstitutional, the one that sought to get rid of pretty much uh, a majority black district in Florida. So, right. you know, it seems like the federal courts have to come to our rescue to prevent our governor from imposing his fascist will. Yeah, and, and then the question is how extensively are the federal courts been packed by these neo-Confederates, these neo-Nazis? I mean, let's keep in mind that the old Confederacy was an oli- a racist oligarchy, um, a racist fascist oligarchy, much like the Nazi movement in, in Germany. And uh, I, it's, 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 it's blowing my mind. Alejandro, thank you. Thank you for all, yeah, all those data points. Excellent. Lisa in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Lisa, what's on your mind? I think you're absolutely, in your own words, spot on. Thank you. On that. Um, and it's terrifying to me. Um, and I've been thinking about this since Trump was first elected. I, I, I'm an African-American female in Atlanta, Georgia. I do not understand how anybody of color... African-American, Hispanic, any Asian 
can support and be on board with this. And one comment was uh, another caller made, a previous caller, Lewis, I think was his name, was people just don't know what's at stake. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. So I, we, we've got to get that word out there. Uh, check out the movie Antebellum starring Janelle Monet. Okay. Have your callers list, look at that movie. Watch that movie. Antebellum. Where do I find it? Antebellum. I think it's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, you can stream it on Netflix. I'll, I'll check it Blue. out, Lisa. I'll check it out. Thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is this the Confederacy? I, I'm not hearing other people say this much, and I, uh, but I think it really is. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind? Well, I'm glad you brought up this topic about the resurgent Confederacy, because it's something I've thought about from time to time in terms of the fact that it's internally contradictory and it doesn't lead to anything positive or good. It bears the seeds of its own destruction. Um, How so? It's, well, think in terms of the American Civil War. If the South had somehow prevailed, where it was able to go its own way and become a separate country, how would that country have been able to stand up um, for its own security among the family of nations? I mean, uh, a resurgent and reunified Mexico that... I believe Mexico won its revolution around 1867. Um, they would start thinking, uh, we've always felt that Texas was ours and the American Southwest, it was taken from us. Uh, and what if they decided to invade Texas? Who was going to come to the rescue of the Confederate States of America? Well, and they, at that point, the Mexican-American War was only 10 or 15 years in the, in exactly. the distant. Exactly. I mean, it was Polk's still, administration, it, 1840s. It was still a very raw, open sore for the people of Mexico. I mean, right. to this day, there's folks in Mexico who refer to our state of California as Alta California. Right. You know, they, so it's like the, the whole idea of a confederacy is like a castle built on sand. It, it's not something that is positive or constructive, and yet this mindset has persisted for well over a hundred years, it's it's toxic and it's destructive, but the people who embrace it don't un seem to understand that it it'll bring them down. It's not something that's going to enhance them. 
I think this is actually, George, a very old story. I think what we're looking at is not just the invention or reinvention of the Confederacy. I think we're looking at the reinvention of feudalism in Europe for, you know, a thousand years. We, yeah, which is what I was writing about yesterday with the whole Davos man thing. You know, it's basically rule by the rich. And the Confederacy was based on that. You had about a thousand families that had taken over the South and, and, and controlled its politics and its economics. They had turned it into a police state. They destroyed the free press. Um, it, that, you could say the same thing of feudalism in Europe. And, and it seems like whenever a whole bunch of rich people get together and say, we know best how to run things, and the rest of you all just shut up and do what we say, um, this is the result, you know, and, but, but it doesn't go away. Uh, you know, uh, we defeated the Confederacy, but it never went away. And, you know, it, 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 the mythology lives on, and, the, and now you've got a whole brand new generation of people of, of you know, wannabe autocrats. Um, it's, it's uh, well, I, I guess I've said what I have to say about that. George, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I agree with your premise 100%, but just like your last caller and you were talking about, the mythology behind the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. Calling it the new Confederacy doesn't make it evil enough. Yeah. I think I we have to stick with calling them neo, neo Nazis and fascists. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, and, and maybe it's more of an academic exercise. Um, <laughs> but I think it's real. I, I really think that this, this, you know, the South is rising again, as they say. Well, I'm, I, like I said, I agree with your premise 100%. The problem is we, we didn't learn in school. Yeah, no, you know, what, what the problem is that what we didn't learn in school was the, that the Confederacy had overthrown democracy. The Confederacy was not a democracy. They were not trying to promote democracy in the South. They were trying to promote oligarchy and autocracy. And, uh, you know, on, on a, uh, along, uh, along with a racial and gender hierarchy. And instead, the stories we get are about, you know, the noble lost cause and the soldiers from the South who wanted to go fight and all this kind of stuff. And I, but exactly. I think I, I think strategically and politically, Mark, you're right. Um, uh, and and, you know, for, for we, never, we never hear any noble stories about Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And there's probably a lot of Republicans who would be very proud to call themselves Confederates. Um, I mean, you know, after all, they're walking around with a Confederate flag. Mark, thanks a lot. Uh, good point. Jordan in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Jordan, what's on your mind today? Tell you about the Republicans' uh, plot to destroy America. There was something that was brought up in uh, CPAC, actually, 2016, and it was drowned out because of, uh, obviously, Donald Trump and whatever he had to say during that time. But they had stated for the last 40 years, Asia and India had made cheap stuff for the American middle class to buy. And now there's no more American middle class. We need Americans to make cheap stuff for the Asian and Indian middle class to buy. That was one of the most alarming statements I've ever heard. It got zero press, but the plan is right there. They don't want any Americans working for wages. They want us making cheap stuff for other people to buy in other countries without hmm. any rights, without any wages, and without any protection. I'll yeah. take your uh, response off air, please. Yeah, okay, yeah, Jordan, I, I, you know, I get it. I totally get it. My, my take on all this and, and on trade, uh, basically, and you've probably all heard this many times, is that we need to bring our manufacturing back home, particularly manufacturing that is essential to our economy. But, I mean, just look at the baby formula shortage or, uh, you know, there's, there's other shortages that are coming, I guarantee you, as a result of the, of the port in Shanghai being, having, having been shut down for so long. Um, as individual products stop 
showing up on shelves and people started noticing it, you know, Apple is saying that they're probably going to lose about $4 billion worth of sales because they just don't have product. As product gets scarce, it's going to become politicized and all that sort of thing. But this goes back to this insane trade policy that Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush thought was such a brilliant idea. They came up with the NAFTA treaty and then Bill Clinton signed on for it. And here we are. We no longer control our own economy. China does. And we need to reverse that. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Reversing that, we also need to be unionizing those jobs and making sure that people have decent wages like they did before Reagan. Michelle in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Michelle, what's on your mind today? What are we going to do if we do defeat these white nationalists? and these crazy 80, 75 million people, they're still going to be in America. So how long does this battle go on? Because they're never going to accept the results of the elections anyway. And they're only going to feel more emboldened to make things worse. So how do we get past people that don't believe in democracy, that don't believe in everybody's right to exist, that don't believe in freedom of choice, that don't believe in the Constitution or the laws of the land that we have here in America, and in the fact that black and brown people deserve to be here. That's the the $64,000 question, Michelle. And and my take on it is that the way that you, A, that those people never went away. They've always been with us. Um, Racism and tribalism and all that, you know, all those forces are are just kind of cooked into humanity. Um, And so what you have to do is make it socially unacceptable to express those things. And, and, you know, which, uh, you know, sort of suppresses it. It, You're not going to you know, uh, eliminate it. And, and, and the way to do that is, is by achieving some sort of a national cultural consensus. And we're just, you know, as long as we have a political party that is fighting against that consensus, as long as we have a political party that is using racism as a political weapon, specifically the GOP right now, and you've got, you know, social media that is promoting and amplifying this stuff, it's going to be a challenge, but I, I think that we're getting, uh, frankly, I think we're getting closer to it. Uh, you know, and, and sadly, I think it's some of these horrific murders that are waking people up to the horrors of it. But uh, it, it seems to me that many Americans are, are realizing, you know, what a poisonous cancer this, this uh, racism being promoted by Trumpism really is in the United States. I don't see any other way. I, I, you know, I don't think you can... I mean, obviously, you can you can, um, you know, criminalize it, which we have done, you know, hate crimes and things like that. But it's it's never you you can't you can't force people to think or feel or believe a particular way. But society, you know, with with the force of law, but society um, as a whole actually does can. And and that's that's where the national uh, political consensus comes in. Michelle, thanks a lot for the call. John in Watertown, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is it, uh, Watertown or Green Bay, John? It, it's Watertown. Cool. So what's up? Well, I uh, recall um, a while back you were talking um, about the philosophy of Calvinism. It was a theological philosophy um, yeah. Yesterday. by John Calvin, a French theologian, and it, it heavily influenced uh, many of the uh, earlier immigrants um, religiously, uh, yep. Presbyterians, Dutch Reformed, Congregationals, as well as a number of others. And uh, I remember you saying that um, Calvinists tend to believe that um, that poor people, by nature, don't have the um, the same uh, 
standing, I guess, as, as the wealthy do, as in, in well, God's eyes. That, yeah, in God's eyes, exactly. The, 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 one of the tenets, one of the five primary tenets of Calvinism is predestination that you are chosen yeah. by God before the creation of the world. To quote uh, Ephesians, I think it is, John, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Paul in Ephesians. And so God has decided before we're even born who is going to end up going to heaven and who is going to end up going to hell. And we want to select for our political leadership the people who are going to go to heaven. So how do we figure out who those people are? Well, God you know, blesses them and makes them rich. So rich people should be running the country. That's, that's the logic of neo-Calvinism, of modern-day Calvinism. Do you think that much of the, um, the racism in our country has come from that philosophy? I do. I do. Although, like I, you know, I said before, I think racism is also you know, just baked into all of us. It's, it goes back to the instinct uh, you know, very, very early primate instinct of that group over there is different from us, therefore they may represent a threat to us, so we should be careful. Um, you know, notice that. I think that that's like kind of wired into us. But, but the idea, what, what happened was, and, and I lay this out in my op-ed yesterday over at HartmanReport.com, if you want to check it out, there's even links to all the various theories and books and people, is that Calvinism came over as a, as a religious justification for basically uh, hereditary monarchy and for, and for a hierarchy where the rich are at the top of the pile. That then yeah. was picked up by Herbert Spencer in the, in the 1800s, in, around the era of the Civil War, as, as science. And I mean, they didn't know DNA back then, but they did know genes and genetics. Um, yeah, this was you know long after Gregor Mendel had come out with his little square with the peas, and and so they made the argument that no, it wasn't God who decides who the good people are going to be. It's your genes who decide who's the good who's going to be the good people. So we want for our political leadership, we want the children of the people who have made a pile of money uh, and demonstrated their brilliance, or the people who made a pile of money. And, and, and it became kind of a justification for multi-generational theft and hierarchy and, and political systems and economic systems um, that, you know, that we're still haunted by today. It's why, it's why they're talking down in Florida about you know, the, 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 the 2024 ticket being Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump Jr. That's the story, John. Thanks a lot for the call. Carol in Winterset, Iowa. Hey, Carol, you got the last minute. What's up? Yes, I believe that we need to go to publicly funded elections. I agree. And get rid of many of our problems. Yeah, the, the problem that we have, that we would have doing that is that, you know, the Republicans are totally opposed to it. And the Supreme Court has, has legalized political bribery. So, you know, there's even some Democrats who are opposed to it because their big donors are saying, no, wait a minute, we want to continue to control the politics of America. The donors own the politicians. Exactly. And that's the problem is how do you undo that? I mean, the Supreme Court, you know, with a whole you series of... Of the Constitution. Yeah, well, it may be. Carol, thank you for the call. Uh, it is, I think this is really the biggest issue of our day is political corruption. And, uh, you know, facilitated by the Supreme Court, embraced by the Republican Party, and, if, you know, sadly, a few Democrats. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there and get active. Tag, you're it. So many great organizations, so much we can all do. We got we to gotta put this country back together. We really do. So have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. We'll see you tomorrow.
been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 